Welcome to Tropeful, a weekly look at how trope influences our understanding of our texts. I'm Cantor David Reinwald, and this week we look at the second portion in the Torah, Parashat Noach. My focus this week is on the structure of our text, and how trope can often go hand in hand with this important element. At its very basic level, trope acts most importantly as the punctuation which is otherwise missing from our texts. It is the trope that creates the phrases and pauses. When one chants the text, one does not need to spend much time at all, if any, focused on how to keep phrases together or where to pause. Trope was designed to do this for you. If one reads the text without the trope, then phrasing and pausing of the text becomes entirely reliant on the skills of the reader. Now, if you asked most people to tell the story told in Parashat Noach, they would tell you about the flood of 40 days and 40 nights, and about God's calling to Noah, asking him to build an ark of epic proportions. They would tell you that on that ark, Noah brought two of each animal, male and female, and then at the end of the flood, there was a rainbow, and Noah sent out a dove to determine if there was any dry ground. There are also some very unsavory parts to the story where Noah is drunk in front of his sons, the parts that aren't taught in the child's version. But as I looked at this story again this week, I noticed that this is also a story like so many of the stories we will hear in Genesis. It's a story of a line of generations, and in fact, the very first sentence starts with the phrase, Ela toldot Noach. These are the generations of Noah. This is a story of how Noah saves the world for the sake of his three sons and for the generations that follow, all who are listed off in a very lengthy listing of names at the very end of the portion. What is really amazing is that the trope frames this portion in light of the connection between the generations. The portion opens like this. Ele toldot Noach these are the generations of Noah. Here is where we first learn that Noah was a righteous man and had three sons. Four chapters later, as we near the end of the portion, we now hear in chapter 10, verse 1, nearly the same trope. Ve'ele toldot b'nei Noach. And these are the generations of the sons of Noah. It's from this point that the story concludes, focusing solely on Noah's sons and the generations who follow. There is no more structured way of using words and phrases than through poetry, and we find several occasions in this portion where God speaks to Noah through poetry, and then subsequently, Noah speaks to his sons through poetry as well. This was an element of this portion that never had sparked much attention for me in the past, and now I am fascinated by it. First, God blesses Noah in poetic form. In chapter 8, verse 22, God begins with an if clause. Od kol ha'aretz, so long as the earth exists, then follows with pairs of opposites each which connect to each other musically, two by two. Zerah ve'katsir, seed time and harvest, ve'kor v'chom, cold and heat, 
Vikayitz Vachoref. Summer and winter. And then the blessing concludes with the then clause that we have been waiting for. Veyom Valaila Lo Yishbotu, and day and night shall not cease. The full verse reads as this So long as the earth exists, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. God goes on to bless both Noah and his sons, including what could be seen as a biblical couplet, two halves of a sentence that parallel each other. These words are arranged in three word phrases with the trope perfectly organizing them. Listen. Chapter 9, verse 6. Shofich dam ha'adam ba'adam dammoho yishafich ki b'tselem elohim asaha et ha'adam They are four three-word phrases perfectly sequenced, translating as, Whoever sheds the blood of man, through man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God, God made man. Noah's final words to his sons are actually ones that are very troubling. Noah, uttering a curse against his grandson Canaan, is a situation that sparks great discussion of Noah's own worthiness of the label of a righteous man. But as shocking as the curseful words that Noah delivers literally in the four verses before we are told of his death, the curse is ironically offered in a rather organized fashion. The phrase, make Canaan be a slave to them, is repeated twice in chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, and uses the same trope each time. These two verses sound like this. Vayomer Baruch Adonai Eloheshem Vihinaan Eved Lamo Yaft Elohim Leyefet Vishkohon Beoholeshem they translate as, And he said, Blessed be God, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be a slave to them. May God expand Yafet, and may God dwell in the tents of Shem. And again, here we have, And may Canaan be a slave to them. Our portion doesn't end at this point, but the life of Noah does. And we are left to grapple with the actions of Noah alongside his words. And if there is one story that has stood the test of time, it's likely this one, for whatever it's worth. Thanks for joining me again this week, and stay tuned for more updates when I will soon launch a dedicated website for this podcast. And join me next week as we take a journey with Abraham in Parashat Lech Lecha. Until then, be tropeful. <laughs>